Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. So hi, this is Ashley, a Feminist Book Club content contributor, and I am joined today with Candice Cardi-Williams. She is the author of Queenie. In 2016, she created and launched the Guardian Fourth Estate BAME Short Story Prize, the first inclusive initiative of its kind in book publishing. And she joins us today to talk about her novel, People Person. Candice, thank you for joining us today. And thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So my first question is, what is your definition of feminism? So my definition of feminism is understanding, listening to, engaging in uh, the needs of women, anyone who identifies as women. And that's kind of it. Just listen and learn and hold up women. What is People Person about? Well, it's actually a really hard question. In essence, it's about five half-siblings who have to come together, having not seen each other for years, not really knowing anything about each other, having to come together to solve something for one of the half-siblings. And they have to solve something for the half-siblings, but also have to learn themselves, learn each other, and also learn their dad, who hasn't been present in their lives, and suddenly is. And how did you create kinship within the family? And I asked this question because, as you said, they haven't, the siblings haven't always been connected to each other and they haven't been connected to their father. What did you think about when going to create this family and how they get to learn about each other? Well, one of the first things I had to do was figure out who they were as individuals and what they had been up until the point that we meet them who they had been without having this parent in their life. And even if they did have this dad in their life, that's Cyril, it was always so fleeting and it never really meant anything. And so it was kind of coming to them and being like, okay, what does that mean for you? But also like, who have you become because of that? And also like, who is your mom? And like, how have you been held up? And so it's like kind of asking the five of them. So that is like Nikisha, that is Danny, that is Dimple, who kind of is the center of the novel that is Lizzie and that is Prince. It's like, who are you without this person? And what questions do you have about him? And what questions are you going to ask each other to figure out who this man is that you can't ask him yourselves? This book is funny. There were a number of times (laughs) during the book when I just bursted out laughing. Why did you want humor in this story? And how is it a place in your stories? You know, I grew up with a sort of very close to my Jamaican nan. And she had all of these like sort of old Jamaican adages that she picked up through life. And so, so much of my stuff is probably, I was always a lot older than I should have been because I spent all this time with this woman who was like 60 years older than me, but we got on very well, we get on very well. And she'd always say, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And so I spent all of my life understanding that like, you can be sad about something, but also you have to laugh at it. You can't just let it defeat you. And so that is how I live a lot of my life. And so I spend a lot of my time laughing at stuff and so it kind of makes sense that that's what would be in my work even if in my life there is pain there is heartbreak there is sadness I will immediately go over to my best friend's house and I will sit on her sofa and she will make me laugh and then like odds are I'll be okay the next day so like 
anytime I have a breakup, I'm like, hi, I'm coming around. I don't even ask, I've got a key. I just go around. I'm like, it's happened. The thing, it's happened. And she'll be like, sit down. And then we just laugh. And so like, of course, if that's just your brain and you seek out humor and you seek out funny in a bad situation, then there's no way that I could have written something where I wasn't doing exactly that, you know? Yes. And as you mentioned, one of the siblings is Dimple and she's sort of an emerging kind of crash and fail influencer. Um, How did you want social media to play a role in her life, particularly with the men in her life? So I think like living in, you know, the social media age is so heavy. I didn't really want to put TikTok, (laughs) TikTok sounds like I'm probably an older adult, but I didn't want to put TikTok in this because I was like, that's a different thing. And that's different. That's a different meaning. And TikTok wasn't really as important to me as it is now. (laughs) Now TikTok is my life Mm -hmm. before it was just like this thing that I kind of got was funny. Obviously this was written like two years ago and edited like a year ago or so but social media for me has been a really interesting thing and just seeing how it validates us and seeing how we engage with it and seeing how so many of us opt to live our life through social media instead of doing it through actual real life and what that does to relationships with people and so Dimple was someone who I wanted to not have many friends and Queenie was about Queenie but in essence it was about her friends and how much they loved her and how much they held her up all of them obviously if you've read the novel and I really wanted her to be solitary so that she kind of needed these half siblings when they came into her life and so obviously she has what she's trying to cultivate is like this social media presence but it's just not working because she doesn't really know herself hasn't figured herself out and a lot of her stuff with men which also of course feeds back to her dad it's not necessarily daddy issues and like oh you know that sort of age-old people with daddy issues just want to have sex with everyone It's someone who is like, oh, I stay in situations that are not good for me, that don't serve me because I understand that that's better than someone going away and leaving me. And so it's like, you know, this is her being, this is her version of like, how do I make people like me even at sort of at my own expenditure, at my own cost, because I don't want anyone else to go. And so she has these interesting relationships with her ex-boyfriend and another man that I won't spoil for anyone. And those things, again, they don't really serve her, but she's kind of like, I just don't want anyone to, to go. And then, of course, she's trying to sort of like build this perfect influencer relationship with her terrible boyfriend. And it's like, girl, none of this is working because you just don't know who you are. And that's OK, you know? I want to ask you about continuing with relationships, um, your thoughts about romantic relationships, and also empathy, um, particularly towards um, Cyril. What are your thoughts about romantic relationships and how people give empathy to others? And was that intentional or, or was that an intention with writing these characters? For sure. So I think that I myself have gone on such a journey with romantic relationships. And I think the place that I came to and the place that I think I'll always be battling with, though, and kind of understanding is that, like, the way someone responds to you is not about you. And so looking at Cyril and all of these women that he's had in his life, all of the mothers of his children, they have eventually come to a place of acceptance of being like, oh, this is the person that he is. But look what he has given. He has given me this amazing son, this amazing daughter, this person that I love so much. And so in romantic relationships, I'm definitely someone who has learned to be like, that person's stuff isn't about you. And the sooner that you accept all of that, the better, because that really is, that's the truest thing I have learned in myself. And I think that romantic relationships have had 
many, many of them. And I find them really interesting, actually. And I'm such an, I'm such an emotional person. Like Dimple, I am a Cancerian. And so I am sort of loving and soft, but also like very hard shelled. And so, you know, if someone is like, if I have a connection with someone, I'm always like, let's see how that goes. But also the second they happen, I just run back into my shell and I'm like, oh my God, no, I, I hate me and this has all been wrong. Um, and it's taken me a long time to be like, oh, if they do that, then that's just their stuff. And that you just have to kind of be like, take care. And I'm really good at being like, all the best to you, you know? And so I think in people person, romantic relationships weren't the driver of this thing, the way that in Queenie, romantic relationships were the sole driver of that story. And it was this girl who was like, my relationship is the thing that I need to complete me, to make me normal, to make me whole. Whereas with this, Dimple is like, the people person Dimple is like, well, I just, I just need to figure out who these people are that are part of me and that I am part of them. And also like this man who has kind of dropped in and out of my life all the time. Like, what would it mean if I knew him? What would it mean if, if he cared about me? And so that is the care that I'm kind of seeking in this and all the romantic relationships. They are secondary in this and intentionally so. Getting away from romantic relationships, there was a scene with Danny, who is a father, and he was mm. asked, like, oh, do, like, do you take care of your child? And he was like, yes. Like, mm. duh, obviously, you know, this is my child. Yeah. This is my responsibility. And I just love that place of him owning his responsibility, him advocating for himself, but also kind of there's this pushback of who his father is. So he's just, it's a complete rebuke of his father, but also he grows to have some sort of empathy towards him of who he is and understanding that like some people are just the way that they are, as you were explaining. Mm. Well, this is it. I think it's that it's, it's through all of Cyril's five children that I'm like, you don't end up like your parents. I don't think that that's necessarily true. Um, and I think that even if it is a case of like, that's it, I think that a lot of that is, is, is nurture and that is seeing that, but there is something about all of Cyril's kids that's like, they'll never be like him. They don't want to be like him and they can't even accidentally be like him because there is this innate rejection of all of them of that man in the way that they could never be like him and they all push against the way that he is to try and not be him. So none of the five of them, I think it would have been so easy for me to have created a male character who was exactly like Cyril and how, and think about like how all the other kids responded to him. But I was like, no, it makes more sense to me that all of those kids would be like, I'm nothing like this man. Right. You, talk, you talked a little bit about astrology and it is somewhat through the novel. What are your thoughts on astrology? I know that you said that when we received the pitch, it was you asked people their name and then like a bit of their birth chart, like their big three. And I'm always fascinated by people's big three, not to judge them necessarily, but, but to, you know, yeah. I, I have an interest in astrology. So what did that play in the story? And also for you as a writer. What is your big three? Can you tell me? Leo, Aries, Aries. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And when oh. I figured that out, I felt like the rain fell because I was like, oh, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. To be a triple fire sign. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Okay. Wow. I'm a triple water sign. Mm. 
that all of my days are very long, as you can imagine, and they all end in tears. I made cancer with uh, Scorpio rising and a Pisces moon, which is a, I break my own heart every day. That's that combination right there. God, Leo. Okay, anyway, sorry. I could, I could do this all day. So star signs are probably, I have a Zodiac necklace on. I have the wheel of the Zodiac around my neck all the time because I'm always like, I love it. I am really into them. And I think maybe like you, I don't use people's star signs to judge them, but more to understand them and to know what I'm working with. And so actually with my characters, I had their names kind of first, but their names changed because I was like, mm, doesn't quite, that doesn't quite right. But I had their star signs first. And that is exactly how I plotted out who they would be and what they would do and how they would respond to the world around them and how they would respond to each other. And so in the mix, I have an Aries, a Gemini, a Cancer, a Leo and a Sagittarius. And I was like, that will make for some good chaos. And so like those people communicating with each other is like loads of misconnections, loads of misunderstanding, loads of bickerings, loads of arguments, loads of sensitivity, but like not really quite uncovered. And they're really important for me. Star signs are really important for me as a framework in life, but also in in my work. And I think Queenie was kind of like, I had a vague idea of who would be what, but in people person, I led with that for sure. And star signs in real life for me, even when it comes to like dating, I'm trying to think if there are star signs. I will typically stay away from a Gemini or a Libra man, just for me. The last two people that I was, that my two exes were Aquarians and that was a right, you know, and it ended exactly the same with me being like, you're just too nonchalant, like both times, one after the other. I was like, but there's no hard feelings, take care, you know? They mean a lot to me and I, I believe them because all the things that you know about the signs I think are right, you know? Like they chime with what I'm presented with. Yes, it all comes from... So yeah, it's not just like some back of the magazine, somebody made up something. Yeah. This comes from the stars and the moon and all of the things that we're mixed up in revolving around this earth. So it's, it's not just something that it's like some hoodoo, it's from a real place. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So as we conclude our conversation, and I know that you're in the UK, but for us US listeners, in particular, where would you like our audience to buy People Person from? And what is an organization that's important to you that you would like to amplify to our audience? Two great questions. Okay, I will say, can I say Barnes and Noble and Target? Sure. And also any Black-owned bookstore is always very nice for me. And I'm actually coming to the States week after next and I'm going to begin my US tour. I'm going to go to as many black and books as I can across the eight states that I'm going to be in. And organization that I care about, Planned Parenthood, for sure, for you guys. There's none here that is kind of like this, you know, what have we got here? We've got a terrible government, but what can you do? And anywhere in the UK um, organization that's important to you? I would like to support in the UK sister space which is a group that supports UK African heritage women affected by domestic and sexual abuse. So that is Sister Space, spelled S-I-S-T-A-A space. That is noted. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd like to invite you to join the National Women's Studies Association this November 10th through the 13th at the Hilton Minneapolis for the annual conference. The 2022 NWSA conference theme, Killing Rage, Resistance on the Other Side of Freedom, seeks to open up conversations about freedom and justice, salvation and sacrifice, convenience and controversy, and whose life and vote matters. 
At our conference, you can connect with other activists, feminists, and scholars from across the globe. This year, the keynote speakers are feminist leaders Angela Davis and Anita Hill and many more. Don't know what NWSA is? The NWSA is the world's largest group of feminists, activists, and scholars dedicated to advancing women and women's studies across the globe. So are you a feminist? Join NWSA at nwsa.org to become a member and to see more details on this year's conference. Again, that's nwsa.org or follow them on Twitter at NWSA or on Instagram at NWSA underscore IG. We hope to see you this November here in Minneapolis. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. A well-read woman is a dangerous creature.